Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Well, praise the Lord. Let's all stand if you would and take your Bibles. And thank you, ladies, so much for that, that song. Yeah, what, a, what a beautiful song, what a beautiful arrangement. The music around here is, is wonderful, isn't it? Praise God. And Man, my heart has just been stirred. And I thank God for those that are singing, those that put it all together as well. And, and uh, what a blessing it has been. Go to, with me, if you would, this morning to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter number 8, if you would, please. And, and uh, we'll go down to verse number 26. A familiar story, but one that is certainly worthy of being uh, preached. Certainly, I mean, good night. You can't go wrong with preaching the Bible, amen, as long as you're preaching the Word of God. But this particular one here, it, it, God dealt my heart about this, about this particular story. Because have you ever got to thinking just a little bit about why am I still here after I got saved? And the truth of the matter is that many people will never come to the realization of why God left us here. But there's definitely a reason. I would have liked if he would have just saved us and took us home. Amen. Translated us back up into, up into heaven. But he left us here for a reason and so that we may reach the next generation, our generation and the one to come. And, but notice with me, if you would, and things that take place in a Christian's life in Luke chapter number 26, and I can't, uh, ver, chapter 8, verse 26, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 26, I can't think of a, a better testimony of a man who went from one extreme to another. This man is known as the maniac of Gadara. Okay, you're going to see here that this man was called that because they, they named him the name Legion. The word Legion actually means between numerically 2,000 and 6,000. And if you check it with the Gospel of Mark, you'll see that they, had, they used the number 2,000 uh, that were cast demons that were cast into the swine and then perished. But could you imagine, here's a man, I believe the Lord's trying to show us that that anybody could get saved, that there's nothing too hard for God to do. Because here's a man that had 2,000 devils in him, and you're going to see just what a maniac he was, and then he became a model Christian by the grace of God. Let's look a little bit closer at the story. Notice with me in verse 26, the Bible says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time, and he wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, and he fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them, saw what was done. They fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, which saw it, they told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils was departed, he besought him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thy own house, and show how great things God had done unto thee. And he went his way, and he published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you, dear Lord, for this conference. Thank you, Lord, all that has taken place. And certainly our hearts have been stirred, dear God, through the preaching and through the testimonies. And 
and, and through the fellowship and through the singing of, of your word. And God, I, I and now bring this message before you would ask God that I would be an empty, broken vessel that you could use. And Lord, may I hide behind the cross this morning that Christ may be lifted up and that God, that you would, Holy Spirit, touch every heart that's here today. And Lord, I believe that uh, most people are saved and know you as a personal Savior, but perhaps they haven't come to a point in their lives where they've realized just how important that our lives are and just how important and the power of the gospel is and the power that lies within them by the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, I think also of those that there's probably somebody here today who's not 100% sure if they die today that they would go to heaven. Holy Spirit, it is my prayer that today would be the day of salvation for them. Help them to realize that religion cannot save anybody. Church attendance will never do it, nor baptism or good works of any kind. But Lord, we're thankful for the grace of God. And by faith, we could have the promise of eternal life by accepting you as our personal Savior. Father, please do a work in our midst. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks for standing. A little while ago, Pastor just got through mentioning uh, that we have 15 grandchildren. And I thank God for those precious grandchildren. And, and I'm so thankful what, how God has blessed our, our children. All four of our children are married, and they all have kids. All four of our children this morning, right now as I speak, they're all serving in some capacity the Lord right now. Uh, one, one of our sons is pastoring up in the Sacramento area in a church in which he began nearly almost five years ago. And another son uh, that is uh, the uh, ministry of uh, music uh, back in North Carolina at a church, even right now as, as we speak, and, and uh, ministering back there. And my daughter teaching a, a teenage uh, a kids class uh, right now, and uh, a girls class that, that God has given her. And, and I'm thankful for that as her husband's a deacon in the church as well. And, and I'm thankful for our, our other uh, son who is also serving God in, in, uh, in a little bit of a transition mode right now, but for the last uh, 13 years served as the uh, administrator for the Christian school at North Valley Baptist Church. And, you know, I'm thankful that they're serving. But then I look at the kids and I think, you know, what future lies in store? As I look at our, our America that we, that we once knew, and I look at the foundation, and the foundation of America is certainly has is, is been cracked. It's been tampered with. And it's, it's in turmoil right now as we look around America. And I don't want to bring a damper onto this conference, but we have to be realistic as to what's going on in America and the, what is going to help us to get back on track. And, you know, we know that there's a lot of things and there's a lot of talk today about what's going on in, in the White House today and, and the upcoming election. And, and, and there's such a great uh, focus right now on all the different Republican candidates and, and, and all the different... Uh, uh, things that they have going on, and, uh, and, and you know, but the truth of the matter is that those are a lot of good men, and they have a lot of good ideas, but our answer today, regardless of who is the next president of the United States, is not going to make the difference that we need in America. It's not going to happen in our courthouse today as well. It's not going to happen in the White House, the courthouse, or even in the, uh, the House of Congress as well. And what is going to happen and what needs to happen is that change, real change in America, supernatural change that I'm talking about, can only happen through the church house, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the way it's going to come, is by the power of the gospel. And here we have a wonderful story here before us of seeing the power of God and how it transformed lives. And that's what this is all about. This is why it's so important you see, if man, if Christians stop telling others, the next generation, how to have eternal life, what, what kind of future do they have? What kind of hope do they have? I'll tell you what they have. Not only a godless society, but they have a place called hell awaiting for them. Their destination is a place called hell. But let me just remind you here, too, that this man here, his destination was a place called hell. This maniac of Gadara. But when you look at this man how he approached Christ. They give a little bit of background of his old nature here before this man came to know Christ as his Savior. And if you look at his background, we see here that he was demon-possessed. 
and big time with 2,000 demons within him. And they had a, they, they had a, uh, this man was in bondage. And you notice that the Bible says the demons, they led him. He had no control of what he wanted to do. He couldn't do right if he wanted to do right because he was so over possessed by the power of the devil. And sometimes we underestimate the power of the devil as the, we are reminded and we are warned at different times in the Bible that, that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we make scoff of it. We make fun of it. But the truth is, is that he, heaven is real, hell is real, and the devil is real today. And the devil wants to destroy you. The devil wants to destroy your family. The devil wants to destroy this church. And God, the devil wants to destroy anything that will bring glory and honor to God. But greater is he that is in the world. And I'm thankful here today that we have the Holy Spirit of God that lies within us. And we look at this man here. The Bible says that he was not only, uh, he ran around naked. The Bible says in the book of Mark, this man here took sharp objects and he would cut himself. And he, would, and he was in pain, and he would scream, and he was in torment. And they even tried to bound this man up with chains and fetters, the Bible says. But the power of the devil was able to break loose those, those chains, and, and, and he came. Can I just remind you, that's exactly what sin does. Sin shackles us. Sin puts us into great bondage. But thank God that when we get saved, the shackles are broken. Amen. And we have freedom and we have liberty in the freedom of Jesus Christ in the gospel of Christ. Boy, I'm, I'm thankful here today. I like what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. It is the power of God. And you know, that is the same power that turned, the Bible says, the world upside down in Acts chapter number 17 and verse number 6. Jason and the other disciples, they were accused of turning the world upside down. You know why? Because they were on fire for God. They were filled with the Spirit of God and they were preaching the Word of God. And that is the power of the gospel and what it will do. It will turn things upside down. And that's what we need in America today is to be turned upside down. And I thank God as we go around and plant new churches and, and, and we, we breathe life into the city. And we don't, but the Spirit of God does. And, and as He begins to start changing lives, I'm thankful today for those in these last several church plants that we've been able to see uh, people that used to be at odds with one another, husbands that would beat their wives and, and, and kids that would run away and join gangs and, and gangbangers had a brand new life. And, and I'm talking about all these that were wrapped up in different types of sin. I saw what the power of the gospel did. It changed their lives. It had turned the world upside down. And I'm saying here today that only God's power can do that. You see, no reformation can do that today. No, no, no program I don't care if it's the AA or the AAA or whatever it may be, but I'm saying here today that those things cannot change and give everlasting power like the power the gospel can. I'm so thankful today that Paul said in, in, in the book of uh, e, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, guess what? He's a new creature. He's a new creation, the Bible says. Then he said this, old things are passed away. You know, some of those old habits should be passed away. I look at this man's life right here. Some of those things that he used to do, he didn't do them anymore. You know that old bus song, the things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Praise God, there's been a change in me, amen? And you know what? That is exactly what took place in the life of this man. That should be the typical thing that takes place in the life of every born-again child of God. And I'm saying here today that, that just as uh, Paul said that, that therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Then he said, behold, all things. Not just some of the things in your life, but all things in your life should be changed. Because you know why? The old things have passed away. Now you've got these new things. You say, well, what new things are you talking about? Well, the same new things that took place in the life of this man by the man known as Legion or the maniac of Gadara. The first thing I find here in the Word of God, notice with me if you would, that this man here went from being a maniac to a model Christian, but the first thing that took place was that he had a new mind. You know why? Because the old mind now was, was no longer functioning for itself. 
You say, well, what is the old mind like? Well, the old mind that this man had here was that he had no respect for his clothing. He had no respect for, uh, for, for getting along with people. It was all about self. That's what suicide is. And when he starts cutting himself up, you see, suicide is, is really is a number one. It, it's a trip of, of self, being self-centered. And it's all about that person. And, and they look for a, for a way out. And so they, they, they end up taking their life. But, but that, is, that is very self-centered to do. You see, not only is the, uh, 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 the old mind, the old nature is not only self-centered, but it's proud. Boy, I'll tell you what, we're proud people, amen? There's no exceptions to the rule that we're proud, we're sinful, we're greedy. Hey, you know what? We're bent towards the philosophy and the cares of this world. That's the old man, the old nature. Now, God is saying that that old nature should be passed away. It should be dead, amen? We are dead to sin, and we're alive in Christ. And you know what? What is, the, what is the new nature? Well, the new mind is, should be brand new priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus Christ not only wants the preeminence, but he should have the preeminence in our lives. Amen? And that's where it all begins. You know, when we put God first in our lives, so many, so many different times Christians can't understand, say, well, you know what? I, I don't understand why well, we're always bickering with one another. We're fine with one another. The Bible says only by pride cometh contention. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know what? When our relationship is right with God, we'll be right with one another. And if we could get along, if we could make sure that our relationship is right with God, we have no problem getting along with one another. Amen? All of a sudden, all the problems, uh, they disappear when our relationship is right with Christ. And so, new priorities, we begin to start serving other people. We serve God, we, we give, we share. Hey, you know, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the heart of man. I'm thankful today that we got to be able to see drunkards become responsible fathers uh, through the power of the gospel. To be able to stop, uh, I've seen some different domestic violence that took place and no longer taking place. I saw, got to be able to see uh, drugs uh, that were stopping, uh, that uh, people came off the drugs as they got saved, and, and others that were gangbangers and uh, began to love their neighbors and, and love one another and getting along with one another. I like with, with what uh, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians. And if you just uh, flip your Bibles over there if you, for just a moment, hold your place there in the book of Luke. Notice with me in the, in the, in the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. And Paul talking about the mind of Christ. You know, it isn't hard to do. God doesn't give us anything hard to do or anything impossible. He makes a way to do it. But you see, it must be our choice. Because the first thing he said in verse number 5 of chapter 4, he said, let your moderation or your gentleness be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. He begins with that word let. You see, because it goes back to the heart. That's always the issue. The issue is whether or not we want to have the mind of Christ or we don't want to have the mind of Christ. Because you could be saved and still be in your old ways because you're choosing not to do or obey what God wants us to do. You see, because he says, let, that's up to our heart. And we, we have to be willing uh, to, to, to be able to let God have his way and let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. And then he said in verse 6, he said, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I wish we had time to talk more about even the peace of God. And people are always searching for the peace of God. We have the Prince of Peace that dwells within the believer. Amen. But, but we still, in order to be able to have the peace, is to be able to let God have his way in your life. In verse number 8, Paul said this. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whichever things are honest, whichever things are just, whichever things are pure, whichever things are lovely, whichever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. How important it is, Christian, that we choose what we're going to think about. We choose what we're going to think about by, the, by our own actions. You see, the Bible is very clear about the importance of guarding our ear gates and our eye gates. Because what we see and what we take in goes into the heart. And what's in the heart comes out in our actions. And he said, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. He says, do them. And the God of peace shall be with you. You see, it's not that difficult to do. But here was, the, here was this man 
who now becomes a man of God, who was on his way to a place called hell. His destiny was changed simply by when he accepted Christ as his Savior, and he was born again. And he was born again, he became a child of God. And you know what? Uh, things begin to start changing this man's life, and it, and it changed immediately. I think of the Apostle Paul, and remember as the Apostle Paul was going down the road of Damascus, and, and here was a man that was basically, he was a Pharisee, and he was responsible to see many Christians that were killed and imprisoned, and he thought he was doing God a service. And he was walking down the Damascus road, and you remember that great light shined about him, and he fell to his knees, and he heard the voice of God. And you know what? He was willing to do, God, what, do you want, what would you have me to do? And the Lord gave him instruction. His life began to be transformed immediately. And not much after that, after the scales had fallen from his eyes, the man was saved. And we know also that this man, he was sent forth as a, to be able to be a witness to the Gentiles. And he began to preach the word of God. His life was changed instantly. And, and, it, and it changed because he gave his will to God and said, God, I want to be used of you. I'll guarantee you that every one of these missionaries that is going to where they've been called to go, whether it be a, a, a missionary at home or whether it be a missionary on uh, foreign fields, I'll guarantee you it all began with the heart when they said, Lord, here am I, send me. That's where it all begins. But the same thing is also going to begin with you. If you're going to be a Sunday school teacher or if you're going to be uh, in the choir, or if you're going to be an usher or, or a soul winner, you've got to come to God and say, God, I surrender my will to you. I'm willing to do your will. And because you love your Savior so much that nothing's going to stop you from doing His will. Amen? But that's where it all begins. And, and I'm thankful today that, that, that God gives us that free will to be able to do just that. But also, I find here that not only in 2 Timothy 1.7, you don't have to go for the sake of time, but He says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, our past nature, as we consider and look at this man here, think of your past nature before you got saved. You may not have gotten the saint award that year, amen? I was considering my, I had 29 years of being unsaved before I got saved. You know what? I cannot say that I'm proud of my life before that. Not everything. I wasn't quite to this extreme as this man here. But can I tell you something? There's some things I'd rather not bring up. But God, I'm so thankful here today because old things are passed away. They're under the blood of Jesus Christ. And guess what? God says all things become new. I've got a brand new start. Praise God. And you know what I'm going to do? I chose to live my life for God and to do His will. We all have that choice. You see, because this life here is just but a vapor, the Bible tells us. It's just, before you know it, it's going to be gone. Before you know it. And you know what? Either we die or the rapture's going to take place, but I'll guarantee you the average man lives to be three score and ten years, the Bible says. That's only 70 years of age. Can I tell you something? That's not very long. That's getting closer all the time. But can I tell you something? One day, as we look back what he did, what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, let's hear the whole matter. And let's get down to what it's all about. Just, just to, to serve God, to, to love God, and to serve Him. Because everything is going to be brought into judgment one day. Amen? So we need to be prepared. Hey, but I'm thankful that in Romans 12, too, Paul said that if we're going to renew the old mind, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. Hey, I'm saying here today that the power of the gospel is very powerful, and as you get into the word of God, let it start transforming your mind. Amen? But you must be willing to let it do that. In other words, you read the word. How many times have you ever read something, the word of God, and it tells you to do something, and you just kept on going? And you know what? It just didn't sit very well. Oh, I'm willing to go to church. I'm willing to do this, but maybe it might have been it might have been tithing, it might have been serving, it might have been soul winning, something of that nature. And we haven't had a full surrender to let God have His way in every area of our life. God wants full surrender, but He wants you to be the one to make the choice. We cannot. It's got to be a movement of the Spirit of God that works in your heart. Hey, can I tell you something? When we read, my wife and I, before we got saved. We grew up, and we're part of the world. So we did. We lived like the world. 
And so we were social drinkers. And so I can remember that what we used to do is we would go, uh, we'd go online and we would order cases of wine. We weren't winos, okay? I mean, I had a good steady job, make a lot of money and so forth. But what we would do is we would have friends. We would invite friends to come over. We'd open up all the different wine, have some cheese to taste it all and so forth, and have some social time together. But then the Word of God came. And as I, we read the Word of God in the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs said that wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And when the Word of God, when we read the Word of God, it transformed our thinking. We fell under conviction of the Holy Spirit. We gathered up our cases of wine. We set them on the, on the counter. We had one last drink for the road. No, just kidding. We didn't drink anymore. And we, we took that wine. We pulled the corks, and down it went. And it cleared up all the drains. Amen? And uh, I'm saying here today that we need to come to a point where we're saying, Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, I give you my mind, my body, my soul, I present to you. I want to be a living sacrifice. And you know, the only way it's going to happen is when we let go that we think that we're holding on to so much and we think we're going to miss the cares of this world. But let me tell you something, friend. You'll miss nothing and gain everything. When we come to the point where we let everything go and let God have His way, oh, God wants to use you to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. All He wants you to do is take that precious Word of God and share it with somebody else. You see, that's not too much that He's asking. When I think of Jesus and what He did for me and what He did for you, is that too much for Him to ask that we would take the Word of God and even hand a gospel tract to a stranger? Think of what he did for you. As he went to before he even went to the cross and he was ridiculed and mocked. That's bad enough, and that's enough to give us a bad day. Just to have somebody uh, 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 say that we did something or, or accuse us of something, and we get all bent out of shape. And hey, but Jesus Christ, he took that. But he didn't stop there. He took the, scour- the scourging that went on in his life and he took the, the cat of nine tails that whipped around him and beat him and plucked his beard and put the crown of thorns on his head and drove those spikes into his hands and into his feet so that they could hang on the cross and shed his blood for you and for me. And he did that out of love. But God committed his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God that he was willing to do that. Thankful here today that, that he did just that. And I think of a man by the name of James. Years ago when I was at North Valley Baptist Church and I was an assistant pastor at that time, and I had an adult Bible class called the Home Builders. And uh, as I had that class, uh, there was a, uh, what was taking place the day before this experience happened with this man. A man by the name of James. This man here, He had just been released out of prison. He had been incarcerated for 10 years. He was only 29 years old. He went in when he was 19. He was a gangbanger responsible for drive-by shootings, robbery, drugs, you name it. He did it. He was a gangster. Somebody knocked at his door. And they said, hey. He come to the door. He says, what do you want? He says, you got kids? He says, I do. He says, I got, I got two kids here. He says, well, can they ride the bus? Can we take them to the, to the church tomorrow? And he says, well, you guys want to go on the bus? Yeah, Daddy, we want to go, we want to go. And so, uh, so the bus, uh, bus worker, he wrote down all the different information about it. He turned around, started walking. He says, hey, come back here. He says, yes, sir. He said, can I go too? <laughs> he says, yeah, of course, I'll pick you up. Okay, we'll be here. Next day, Bus driver pulls around. They got on the bus. Dad came on the bus. Kids got on the bus. They came in the bus. That day, the preacher preached a, a, a fiery message on, on salvation. That man, as I stood right there, as the invitation was taking place, and as one of the counselors stood right there, here comes old James walking down the, down the aisle. And he came, and I had the privilege to be able to come right here to a to an old-fashioned altar just like this, and to be able to lead him and show him how he could have eternal life, and he got gloriously saved. Oh, I'll tell you what, just like the maniac Gadara, his life began to change from the get-go. That man was there at every church service. He was at every prayer service. He was at every time and had an opportunity to serve. He was serving. Eventually he became, guess what? 
a bus captain. Amen? He became a bus captain. Now he's picking up boys and girls. Hey, I'm saying that Reformation can't do that, but the power of the gospel can. Say, why start more churches? Because we need to reach more people. We need to see lives get changed and get on fire to bring glory and honor to God. I'm saying here today how important it is that, that we see folks come to know Christ. But this man not only, uh, as, as we see here, he got a new mind. And that was the first thing that took place as, as we uh, find here in, in Luke chapter number 8. But in, but in Luke chapter 8, the Bible says that, that he was in his right mind, verse number 35. But not only did he have the right mind and his mind was changed, but also he got a new modesty. Look, at if you would, in, in verse number 35. Still, the Bible says that he was sitting at the feet of Jesus and he was clothed. He was clothed. Hey, you know what? I'll tell you what. This is more than just about physical modesty. This is a, there's a spiritual uh, application here as well. You see, after Adam and Eve, remember when Adam and Eve were created, they were perfect, made in the image of God. But then we know how, this, how the devil came along, the devil tripped them up. And I don't know at what point the devil tripped up this maniac of Gadara. But I'll tell you what, he was, this man fell big time. Adam and Eve, if you recall, the devil came along and he took the Word of God and he twisted the Word of God. He perverted the Word of God and he caused doubt and deceit into Eve. And, and what they made a choice was to disobey God and sin came into the world. And all of a sudden, they realized that they were naked, the Bible says. And they began, they, they got fig leaves immediately and put those together. But then, but then we see here also that <clears throat> after they had sinned, that God made them coats of skins and, and He clothed them. It was a type of Christ that's found there in the book of Genesis. And so they became fit before the presence of God. Hey, that's exactly what take, took place here for this man. As he came before Christ, he put his clothes back on. But not only did he put his physical clothes on, but Jesus did an inside change on him. As Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly, greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Well, I'm telling you what, this man, we, he, not only did he get the brand new robe, but so did you and I, when we got saved as well, amen? We're clothed in the robe of righteousness. Listen, we go from being self-righteous, but made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm saying here that also in Isaiah 64, 6, the Bible says, but, but we are all uh, as unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. As, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Oh, I'm so thankful that we had that new modesty. I'm also thankful today that here, that it tells us in, uh, in verse number 36 that there was that new miracle that took place. The Bible says that they also saw it, told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. There was... You say, well, what was the physical healment that took place here? Oh, it wasn't physical at all. It was spiritual. It was a spiritual miracle that took place. This man was given eternal life. You see, he that was possessed of the devil was now healed spiritually. Yes, salvation is a miracle. You see, the moment that a person is saved, their destiny is changed from hell to heaven. They're born again, as Jesus said in John 3, 3. But not only that, they become a child of God. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit self beareth witness with our spirit that we are the, His children. Aren't you glad here today that we're the child of God? Aren't you glad here today that not only are we born again, but we also become a child of God? We're born into His family. We're also, guess what? Our sins are forgiven. Hebrews 9, 22. And almost all things are by law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, is no remission. That word remission means forgiveness. Without the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's why you and I cannot pay for our salvation. Because God demanded there had to be a perfect sacrifice. And who else is perfect? No, there is no one else perfect but God. That's why Jesus Christ had to leave the splendors of heaven to come down to this world for you and I. That's why your good works are but filthy rags in the sight of God. You see, for without faith we cannot please God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, 
not of works, lest any man should boast. Yeah, I'm thankful here today that, that I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that in Ephesians 1, 7, Paul says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. But then he also said this, that we also have the promise of eternal life. Ephesians 1, 13, In whom also you trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Hey, aren't you glad that when you get saved, you accept Christ as your Savior, it's amazing. I mean, it is a miracle to think that when you get saved, the same time that you're trusting Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes inside. And your spirit, which is dead because of sin, the Bible says, is quickened. We come alive. We're born again. We're baptized of the Spirit of God. Hey, I'm saying here today that that takes place the moment that you put your faith and trust in Him. And guess what? We're born again. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. That there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over, over every sinner that repents. Amen. A celebration goes on. And I'm thankful here today that we ought to get just as excited every time somebody receives Christ as their Savior. They become a child of the King. They become a brother or sister in Christ Jesus, hey, I'm thankful here today that, that we picked up the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will seal us unto the day of redemption. I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit to be able to guide us. Aren't you? You see, there's a, I'm thankful today that we have a GPS in our phones. Amen. When I was, when I was up in, uh, on deputation up in the Seattle area of Washington, I'd never been there before. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, my wife was not there. She was usually my, my, my audible GPS. Amen. And uh, she would help me. She was my navigator. But she had to go down because her mom was having surgery in Vegas. And so, so she left me alone there for a week. Well, I'll tell you what. It was rough. Amen, guys. This isn't rough when the wife goes. I heard at least one amen out there. Boy, you guys are in trouble. I'll tell you what. Amen. Hey, but you know what? I got lost. I mean, I, I was. And then you know what I did? Because my phone that I had, it had a GPS, but it was one of these uh, uh, I don't know what you call them, but it, was, it wasn't a real good phone. didn't have a good GPS. And that thing got all messed up. I couldn't use it. So I said, okay, well, fine. I'll just go to a store over here, and I'll get a map. They didn't even know what a map was. Hey, man, you couldn't even find a map anymore. I'm telling you, I went to, went to Walmart, went to Kmart. They looked at me like, who are you? This guy came out of the dark ages or something, you know. And so I couldn't find a map. And, but let me tell you something. My, my wife says, hey, honey, they're, they're running. You, you could get an update on your phone. And I look up. It happens to be an AT&T store right across the way over there. Went over and got me an iPhone. Amen. And, uh, but I, that, was, that was probably one of the, my best investments I've ever did in my life. I got that thing. And that thing has helped me uh, tremendously. But I want to tell you that more important, but she makes mistakes sometimes. But the GPS that God has given us of the Holy Spirit never makes a mistake. He's always right. He's always perfect. He's always on time. Amen. And praise God for the Holy Spirit of God that is there to guide us. He's there to comfort us. He's there to teach us. He's there to convict us of sin. And I'm thankful here today that, that the, uh, as we walk in the Spirit of God, that the Holy Spirit produces fruit. Amen. He produces those nine graces of fruit. And, and uh, it, it isn't, you see, that's when we talk about Christian character. It's not about what you can do. It's about what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. And as we walk in the Spirit of God, we're reminded that in Galatians 5.16, that the Holy Spirit begins to, first fruit he, he, uh, he gives us is that of love. We're able to love. Now we can love God the way He wants us to love Him. Now we can love our neighbor the way He wants us to love Him. Husbands, now we can love our wives as Christ loved the church and we're to love our wives the same way. Hey, you know what? He also gives us the fruit of joy and of peace and of long-suffering and gentleness, goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. As we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. Hey, I'm thankful here today that there's also something else new, and that is he got a new master. You see in verse number uh, 38, the Bible says, Now the man of whom the devils were departed, he besought him, that he might be with him. You know, when you got saved, when you first got saved, did you have a desire to be with Jesus? When you first got saved, did you have a desire that, hey, I want to I wanna be around the things of God. I want to go to church. My wife and I, as faithful Catholics, we'd go at least two times a year, amen? Christmas and Easter, yes. And you know what? We were good old Catholics. 
But you know what? Once I got saved, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to hear the preaching of God's Word. I wanted to be around the things of God. You know why? Because it was the Holy Spirit that, had, that was given that hunger. And it was that, that hunger, and I began to thirst after righteousness, as the Bible says that that is a natural thing that takes place in the life of a Christian. You know what? I'm so thankful that we have a new master. The old master is sin. We have a brand new master, a master that gives us liberty to serve our, our new master, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's loving, he's long-suffering, he's full of mercy and of grace, he's just and he's kind, and he sticketh closer than a brother. That's our new master. Aren't you thankful for your new master today? He's not grievous when he commands us to do things. Hey, I like, I like what John said in, in John chapter 10, verse 27. Actually, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And what do they do? They follow him. Let me ask you this, Christian. There's a lot of voices in the world today. Which voice are you listening to? You know the flesh wants to continue to raise up its ugly head and desire those things of the flesh so that we find ourselves committing sin against God? You know there's a voice of the world today that beckons you to come back to the world, the world of which God has pulled you out of, trying to call you back? Do you know that there's also the voice of the devil who the devil tries to come and tempt you, and he tries to deceive you and whisper lies in your ear, and he comes there and he will not let you go, and he's forever following you. I'll guarantee you, as you walk out this door here today, he'll be along with you and says, I don't believe what that preacher said. He said, I got better plans for you. You could be your own man. You see, you could, you could do what you want to do. You don't have to listen to him. You could go your way, and I'll guarantee that he will get after you. But you see, when a person is walking in the Spirit, they'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And how important it is that God wants us to realize that we have not only a new master, but then there's also a new mission was given to this man in verse number 39. And the Bible says here, here Jesus told him, he says, I don't want you just to sit around with me. He says, I got work for you to do. Return to thy own house and show how great things God had done unto thee. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? He said, okay, here's what I want you to do. He said, you're my child. I'm, God, is my, God is your father. You're a new child. You're a born-again Christian. He says, but I got a job for you to do. He says, I want you, by the way, that same commission is for you and I here today. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And that is exactly what he did. He says, okay, I want you to do. He says, I want you to get cleaned up. He says, I want you to go back into your town, your village, and tell people what great things have done. Now, you got to know that this man's testimony spoke volumes. They all knew about this man, the maniac of Gadara. The Bible says that they were afraid of him. Okay? So he goes into the city like God commanded him to do. He yielded himself to God. He came back in, and what did he do? He started going with his family, started telling him, says, hey, look what God's done in my life. Could you imagine the face of those family members and those people in the town? He said, hey, man, look at who's that, who's that dude coming to town? That guy, who is that guy? He kind of looks familiar, but I don't, he looks a little different. I mean, look at him, he's walking. He looks, he's got a big old smile. He's singing, I have decided to follow Jesus, amen. He's singing the great things, how great thou art. You go, you know, he kind of looks like the maniac of Gadara. Look at that guy. Here he comes. He's got a Bible in his hand. This guy's clothed. He looks sharp. Hey, he's got a new song in his heart. He came and he started telling his buddies, he says, hey, I want to tell you what God has done for me. God has cast out those demons that were tormenting me. And he's given me a brand new life. He says, praise God, I got a brand new master. And he began to tell them, people began and said, hey, I want what you want. Hey, let me ask you this, Christian. Do your friends and your neighbors and people that you know, do they look at you and say, hey, I want what you want? Or do they just say, oh, you're a Christian? I didn't know you were a Christian. Hey, you know what? It was very, very evident in this man's life that he was a child of God. Why? Because he was living for God and his life was changed. He had a new mind. He had had a new master. And he had uh, also, the Bible says that he had new mission, and that mission was that he was going out and telling people how to be born again, and he was faithful to tell people how to be saved. But then, let me just say in closing that there was a new message that came along with it, a new message. And that message was simply this, in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Look at this last verse here. The Bible says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all 
waiting for him. There's a new message that came along here. You know what that message is? Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 4, 7. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch under prayer. You know what they were doing? You got to remember, they heard Jesus was coming back into town. Jesus had left because you know what? They kicked him out of town, the Bible says. Okay, so now they see him coming back. They knew, they caught wind that he was coming back. You know what they did? They all went out from the, came out of the town, and they waited for Jesus, and they were watching for his return. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to be doing. He wants us to be watching for his return because he's coming back, back soon. It doesn't mean that we just stand around and watch. No, as a matter of fact, he says that we are to occupy till he comes again. We're to be, as a matter of fact, he said to watch under prayer. We're to be praying for the return of Christ. And as we return, as we pray for the return of Christ, we should also be very vigilant in witnessing. Because you know what? If Christ came back right now, is there somebody you know that would be left behind who's not saved? Okay, they're going to they're, they're gonna, they're gonna go through the tribulation, and if they've heard a little bit about the gospel before and didn't accept it, they will, they will reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, you know what? I'm thankful that he's coming back again. There will be a shout, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive shall be caught together with him. So shall we ever be with him forevermore. I'm thankful for that. I pray that God returns back. But I say, on the other hand, I feel that that pressure that we've got to do as much as we can while we can because time is short. And he could come back at any time. But I'm thankful here today that we have, that I believe the maniac was able to win the loss because of his testimony. And, and uh, uh, you know, in, in Paul said this in Philippians 127, he says, only let your conversation, that's your behavior, be as it becometh, the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be out, I may hear of your affairs, that you may stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. God wants us to be found faithful. A new mind, a new modesty, a new miracle, a new mission, a new message. We're to occupy till he comes again. We're to watch under prayer, serve him, go soul winning. Christian, how are you modeling Christianity today? Would people be attracted to you as we're to be the salt and the light of this earth? Hey, what, what is new since you've been saved in your life? Is there something different in your life since you've been saved? Or maybe there was, but now you kind of went back to your old ways. Hey, you know what? God could change that right away simply if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The mission of the church is missions. And we should all have a part, whether it be in our own Jerusalem, right here in our own city, taking the gospel. Or we're helping to plant churches, as you're doing, praise God. And then sending missionaries across overseas. All these should be happening simultaneously as we reach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what is your part in missions? And have you experienced the miracle of Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Are you here today and you say, you know what, preacher? I'm not 100% sure that if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? You know what? It's an urgent matter. In closing, let me just close with an illustration. Years ago, as I te- taught the uh, home builders class, there was a couple that came in. They weren't married yet. They were around... Uh, 19 years old. They're coming from East Palo Alto, which is a city up in the Bay Area. And it's, it's, a, it's a very crime-ridden area. But they came on the bus, actually. Thank God for the bus ministry. They came on the bus, and they sat way in the back of the class. After the class, I went up to him. I said, hey, his name was Leonard. Her name was Laura. I said, uh, Leonard, I said, have you been born again? If you died today, are you, do you know where you'd go to heaven? He says, I don't have a clue. I said, do you want to know? He says, yeah, I'd like to know. I says, okay, at the end of the service, I want you to come forward, and I will show you how to have eternal life. He says, okay. So, the end of the service, invitation rolls around, I stand right here, wait for him to come down the aisle. He wasn't around. So, second, we were running out of time. He was almost done with the invitation. So, I, so I walked back around the back of the auditorium, and I spotted him. And I came back around, and, and I said, I said, oh, here, I go, Leonard, I said, here you are. I said, we do way back here. I said, you guys are supposed to come forward. I'm going to show you how to go to heaven. 
He said, you want us to go up there? He goes, I'd be embarrassed. I said, hey, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I said, you come forward. I said, and we'll, we'll be able to show you how to have eternal life. You want to know, don't you? I do. So anyway, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Let's just do it right here. So I went ahead and opened up my Bible, and both he and Laura got gloriously saved. The following week, I waited for them to come back for, uh, for church. They didn't, they didn't make it. Actually, she came, but he didn't come. And I said, Laura, what happened to Leonard? She goes, well, he hurt his leg or whatever like that. I go, okay, I'll have to call him. I called on him the following weekend. He, they, didn't, they didn't come again. So I called up the phone because now the third week was rolling around. I says, hey, I called up over. He's living with his grandma. I says, uh, I said, hey, this is, uh, this is uh, Dave Azrael over at the church. I said, can I speak with Leonard? Her voice began to crack. It was his grandma. She said, haven't you heard the news? I says, what news is that? She goes, Leonard, Leonard's dead. I thought to myself, how could that be? This man was just getting, he had such great plans to get married and a new job and everything else. And he was excited about life. And she said, I go, well, how did it happen? She said that he was walking home from work and minding his own business. It was dusk, and there was a carload of guys that ran by, and they threw a bottle at him. And he, and he picked up the bottle, and he said something to them. They pulled up the car and got out. And there's about three of them and one of him. A fought, they began to fight, broke out. One pulled out a knife, plunged it into his heart, and was cast into eternity. Just like that. The Holy Spirit of God reminded me that this man was in heaven. 19 years old. I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry to hear about Leonard. I said, my heart's broken over him. I said, but you know what? I want to just tell you something. Leonard's in heaven with Jesus. I said, two weeks ago, he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. You see, Nobody knows what tomorrow holds for us. If you're here today without Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's no guarantee that you have to the rest of this day, let alone tomorrow. You see, Paul put it this way here in 2 Corinthians 6.2. He says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. He didn't say tomorrow or next week, next year. He says today. Why would anybody hold off on putting off Christ? 